Welcome. This is the Woodbury Church of Christ Sermon Podcast. We're glad that you tuned in, and if you'd like to know more about our church, you can find out all the information at woodburychurch.org. Or we'll see you some Sunday, Sundays at 10 a.m. Looking forward to it. Good morning. I really hope that everybody had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Um, you know, as I start, um, it, it, it's, it can be hard being so far away from my family, and it can be difficult um, not always getting to spend that holiday with them, but I'm just so reminded every year, this is my second Thanksgiving here, I'm always reminded every year of how thankful I am for this church family because I'm always invited to like five Thanksgivings every year and y'all are so kind and so welcoming to me and I just wanted to start off this morning by saying that I'm so thankful for all of you and I'm just so thankful and I thank you for loving me and welcoming me here And I wanted to make sure that I said all those things just in case that I choke uh, this morning so that you you can't be mad at me, right? So, all right, as we begin, though, let's, let's start off with a word of prayer. God, we love you so much. We just thank you so much for the freedom to be able to come to church today. We thank you so much for the freedom to be able to sing praises in your name. We thank you so much for the freedom to be able to open your word We thank you so much for the freedom to be able to come and fellowship with one another. God, we just ask that we do not take those things for granted. Father, we invite your Holy Spirit to come into this place. Father, I ask the Holy Spirit to be with me as I preach this morning, that I don't preach anything on my my own will, but that the Holy Spirit will work through all of us and reveal what you want us to know through your scripture. We love you, and we thank you so much for your son who came and died for each and every one of us in this room. And I just ask that this morning, all of us will be able to feel the love that you have for us. And in your most holy name that we pray, amen. Uh, So if you haven't been able to join us over the last couple of weeks, uh, today is the end. But what we're talking about is... You know, as a church, we've been speaking and we've been praying and we've just been wanting to talk about what God has next for us as a church. And, you know, one of the things that I think sometimes gets in our way is when we expect different things. God has something next for us, but sometimes we expect that that next is different than the reality of what God actually has for us. That might have sounded like a tongue twister, but hopefully I'll be able to explain that. But as we start, I want us to think of one thing. I want one thing to just be really resting on our minds because I think it'll help prepare us for the whole rest of today. And the big idea that I want us to think about is the idea of expectation versus reality expectation versus 
reality. You know, as the holidays approach, we get closer and closer to our dreadful New Year's resolutions, right? And you know, I'm sure all of us in this room at some point have tried to do a New Year's resolution. Yet the hard thing, I think, is that our expectation for how that is going to go is often very different than that reality. You know, we often expect that everything is going to change on a whim, right? If we decide that we're going to start exercising, we instantly are going to become marathon runners. If we decide that we're going to start eating better, right, we no longer are going to crave Taco Bell. We're no longer going to crave a cheesy gordita crunch, right? We think that that is going to change instantly. If we decide that we want to read more, we want to be better readers, right? We think that we will instantly just open up a book and we're going to love it and we're going to be able to read for hours and hours and hours. Yet what do we come to find out about that reality, right? When you start out, running is hard. Changing eating habits is hard. And even reading a book can be hard. It takes time to change a bad habit. And we are going to have to actually work at those things and develop new habits and behaviors, right? Our expectations for how that's going to go is often different than the reality of how it goes. I believe that our expectations for how our faith journey should go are often much different than the reality in which God actually works. I think that our expectation for what God wants us to do next is often very different than the reality of what God is actually calling us to. You know, sometimes we get exactly what we want. Our expectation is right. But most of the time, our expectations are widely different than God's reality for us. You know, throughout the Bible, we see example after example of people whose expectation of Jesus, right? And what it means to follow him is vastly different than the reality. I mean, after all, they were expecting a strong military leader that was going to come and free them. Was going to make him the most powerful people on the planet. That's what they were expecting. But what was the reality? They got a suffering servant. In Psalm 119, it seems as though David is struggling with the reality of his situation. And if you have your Bibles, uh, turn to Psalm 119 this morning. Psalm 119 has been the chapter that we've been studying recently as a youth group. And I have just absolutely loved it. It is becoming my favorite, one of my favorite sections throughout all of Scripture. And if you didn't know, Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. It's almost like its own book. 
But the reason I love it so much is that I believe it is so relatable for us today. David is literally expressing so honestly, so transparent with exactly where he is on his faith journey. He is writing exactly where he is, where his feelings are. And I think that they are so relatable. You know, one of the cool things as I was studying Psalm 119 too is that some believe that David actually came back to it over and over throughout his life. It wasn't like he just wrote down a psalm one day. But, you know, he would write some, and then he'd come back like 10 years later. Then he'd write some more. And then he'd come back like 10, more, 10 years later and write some more. You know, in a way, when we look at Psalm 119, it's almost like it's David's diary. It's almost like it's David's diary. He is expressing exactly where he is almost throughout his life. Within Psalm 119, 17 through 24, if you look at that section, you can see that David is seeking God. He wants to delight in the plans of the Lord, and he wants to see things the way that God sees things. David is trying to live right. He's trying to do what is right in the eyes of the Lord. In verse 18, it says, Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Don't you think that's a prayer that we could have? God, open my eyes so that I can see things the way that you see them. Let me see scripture the way that you intended me to see it. That is what David is expressing here. I think it's so powerful. I think it's so relatable. David wants his eyes open to what God is doing. Yet in the very next section, 25 through 32, verses 25 through 32, we see that David does not have it easy it seems like he is having a hard time seeing things the way that God wants him to see him. Princes and authorities and powers are planning to kill him. They want to take his throne. They want to take him from the very thing, his job, the thing that he puts all of his pride in. They want to kill him. They want to take his throne. He's having a difficult time. In verse 25, it even says, he says, my soul clings to dust. Sounds pretty depressing. In verse 28, he says, my soul melts away from sorrow. So we see that David is trying really hard. He's trying to do what God wants him to do. But then in the next section, we see that he's having a hard time doing it. He's having a hard time seeing the things that God is trying to reveal to him. He's, he's having a hard time with this expectation and reality. Because even though, even though David is following God, and most likely as an expectation, what do you think he thinks that he deserves? He's following God. He thinks that he deserves peace and protection. 
Nobody should be able to kill him. Nobody should be able to take his throne. He is doing what God is telling him to do. He deserves, he has an expectation of peace and protection. He is trying to submit to the Lord's plan. He is praying that he can see things the way that God does. But he's having a hard time understanding. He's having a hard time seeing that. Throughout Psalm 119, this comes over and over and over again, and that's why it is so relatable. I believe that David is constantly pleading with God through Psalm 119. He's saying, Lord, my expectations for my peace, my protection, the way that my life is supposed to be going, my expectation is clearly not being met. The expectation that I have for you is not being met. And I'm having a hard time with it. Please help me understand the reality of what you're doing. Let me be able to see things the way that you see them. Let my expectation match your reality. I believe that we can learn something from how David is dealing with this struggle, this real struggle that I believe all of us deal with. But we also see examples through the New Testament. You know, within the account, uh, if you have your Bibles in Mark chapter 10, 17 through 31, we see the story of the rich man and Jesus. The rich man approaches Jesus and he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus, what do I got to do, man? What do I got to do to spend eternity in heaven? What do I got to do to receive the blessings from God? What do I got to do? What does Jesus say? Jesus says, you know the commandments. You know what's being commanded of you. Follow and keep those. You know, I bet when Jesus said that, the rich man perked up. And in his head, he was like, I did it. I did what I was supposed to. Jesus is going to tell me, good job. I can't wait to see you in heaven one day. You've done it. You earned the eternal life. You did what you were supposed to do. I bet that's what the rich man was thinking. I have kept the commandments. I do do what I'm supposed to do. I'm a good guy, right? Yet Jesus says, hold your horses. You lack one thing. Go and sell all that you have. And the rich man went away sad Because he had many things. You know, this is one of those passages that I, I, you know, when I was a little kid and I was taught passages like this, I would look at it and I'd be like, man, that rich man's the worst. (laughs) He went away sad to what Jesus was telling him. But it's so relatable. It's so relatable. Have you ever like went up to somebody and been like, guess what I did? You know, I I did this thing. I did it right. And then somebody in your life's like, nah, you didn't really do it all the way right. You could have done it a little bit better. And you kind of go away sad. You're like, 
I thought I did what I was supposed to do. You can't even tell me good job. What the rich man's going through is relatable. He's like, I did what I was supposed to do. I followed the commandments. You know how many times I had to say no to stuff? You know how many times I couldn't go out with my friends? You know how many times I had to say no to that thing? And you're telling me I still didn't do enough? The rich man had an expectation that he was doing what was right. He kept the law. He had followed the commandments. He had dedicated his life to God. I bet the rich man thought that he was going to receive a blessing from Jesus for living such a dedicated life to the Lord. Yet the reality was that he was not all in. He had not submitted everything to God. There were still things that he needed to hand over to go all in 100% for Jesus Christ. I think this is so relatable for us. Because I think that we expect to be told good job when we do what is right. We believe that we are good. That we are doing more than those around us. We're following all the commands. We're saying no. We're doing the right things. We deserve a blessing. We deserve to get whatever we want. We deserve to get more than the person that's not doing as much as we can. We deserve something. What do we get? Consumer. I do what is right. I have an expectation to get something in return. Yet oftentimes, we believe that following the rules results in this job well done. Yet following Jesus is more than just obeying a bunch of rules. It's about our heart and making him Lord of everything in our life. Our expectation can be that our faith journey is all about checking the boxes, a to-do list. Yet the reality is that Jesus wants to give, give, Jesus wants us to give everything to Him and pursue a relationship with Him. If you have your Bibles in Mark chapter nine, thirty-three through thirty-seven, we see. This idea, I actually preached on it last time, but I just, I guess I couldn't get over it. And we see this example of the passage of who is the greatest. Jesus confronts his disciples as they're, they're walking down the road and they're debating who is the greatest, which disciple was going to get the highest status. Which disciple was going to get the best reward? Who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? They expected the kingdom of heaven to be a literal kingdom where Jesus is king. They were hoping that they would be his right 
hand men and that they would be in charge of many, many things. They wanted praise. They wanted honor. They wanted status. They expected to receive a glorious blessing for their commitment to their life to Jesus. They quit their jobs. They left their families. They expected to receive something from it. They were going to receive some sort of status, some sort of glory. They were hoping for earthly things. Glory as we would want. Glory as we would see. They were viewing things through their lens. Yet Jesus says, if you desire to be first, you must be last. You must become like this little child who does not work, does not really contribute to society, doesn't have status, doesn't have power, is simply just another mouth to feed within this time period. He says it's not about who knows the most, who's been following Jesus for the longest, who follows his commandments the best, who protects Jesus with the most courage, the strongest, the best looking, the best at speaking, the one who volunteers the most at church. It's about making yourself second and others first. It's about dedicating your life to serving as Jesus did. It's about about depending on God as a child does for their parents. It's about knowing that you can't do anything without God. That you need Him. That you depend on Him, not yourself. It's about knowing that we need Jesus. You are not going to receive money for your work for the kingdom or a super big house or a new car or you're going to receive the you are going to receive the right to be called a child of God and live with him for eternity. The disciples' expectations for following Jesus were much different than the reality. We see that David expected peace and protection because he was living for God. The rich man expected that he was going to be given a bunch of things, a good job from the Lord because he followed all of his commands. The disciples expected to be blessed with status one day in heaven because of their commitment to Jesus. There is one thing that I believe that is wrong with all of these examples. And I think it is so relatable for us today. Because their expectations were missing out on the reality. Because our faith journey isn't about how God can bless us. It's about how we can glorify Him. It's not about us. Your faith journey is not about you. My faith journey is not about me. It's all about 
Jesus. We ask, how can I get peace through reading my Bible? How can I pray so that I know God answers or hears my prayers? How can I hear, how can I feel God when I pray? We often believe if we follow God and we are good, then we will be rewarded with a fruitful life. We'll get the job, get the perfect spouse, get the big house. We think that we're going to receive something. We think that we deserve something for following Jesus, for following the commandments, for being a child of God. We think we deserve something. Yet Jesus is the perfect example of this reality. Jesus followed God and never sinned. Jesus followed all the commandments. Jesus never messed up. And what did he get? No place to rest his head. No home. His own people abandoning and betraying him. Dying a brutal death on the cross for all of our sin. What did Jesus receive? This is something that I have personally always struggled with. You know, I often get mad at God when things don't go my way. I read my Bible. I pray. I go to church. So why don't I get what I want? Why do people I know who are living in more sin than me get way more than I do? Why am I not always happy? Why don't things go my way? God, why aren't you blessing me? The truth is, our expectation is much different than the reality. We have an expectation that our faith journey is all about us and what God can bless us with. Yet the reality is that our faith journey is not about us at all. It's all about Jesus. When we pray or read our Bible, it should not be about what peace or hope that we can receive. Instead, it should be about how we can get closer and know the Lord better. The one that created everything. The one that loves us. The one that died for us. The one that's already done more than enough for us. God is not a big, magical genie whose job is to give us everything that we've ever asked for if we do what he tells us to do. The world is a broken place. Yet through difficult times and seasons, the Lord wants to use us to be an instrument of light. The reality is different. When I was a freshman at Harding University, I had an expectation for where my life was going to go. I expected to get married by my junior year. 
graduate with my Bible degree, live close to my family, and get a full-time ministry job somewhere in the South. Yet the reality was that I did not find my wife by my junior year. I did graduate. You can check my office. <laughs> Yet I got declined by dozens of jobs. Job after job after job after job, I was turned away and I was declined. I believe that God's reality for my life was that he wanted me to move to Minnesota. He wanted me to work at Woodbury Church of Christ. He wanted me to be mentored by Steve and Patrick. He wanted me to be welcomed by all of you guys. He wanted us to become a family. He wanted me to do life with all these teens. I truly believe that. My expectation for my life was widely different than the reality of what God had next for me. Our expectations for our life and what we deserve because we follow God are often much different than the reality of which God has in store for us. When things don't go the way you expect, you are not being cursed or forgotten by God. Yet maybe redirected to an even better situation that God has in store for you. So what does God have next for us as a church? What does God have next for you? I believe as a church, we can find that out. What he truly has next for us if we make a posture shift. Let's place the focus from what we expect we deserve. What we can get to the reality of what God has for our life. Let's submit and trust the almighty and sovereign Lord for what's next in our life. Please stand while we close in song.